Welcome to Beyond Synth. Please note, Beyond Synth is an explicit program and may contain inappropriate language. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Hey there, welcome to the show. This is Beyond Synth, episode 138. So I'm trying my new schedule out this week. We're going to talk to Florence and we're going to talk to Marco today. And then next week we'll have a a new guest and then we're going to alternate. And we're going to see how that goes. And I think it's going to work. Believe me, it's already helping me out because my my apartment is flooding right now. And I'm... (laughs) Taking a break from soaking up water to uh, finish this week's show. That's my dedication for you fools. So how about we uh, listen to some music and get this show started? Here's a track by Pulse, although it is spelled P-V-L-S-X, like Pulsks. Anyway, it's... Uh, but I believe it is pronounced Pulse. This track is Time Attack featuring Tokyo Rider.
And that was Time Attack featuring Tokyo Rider by Pulse. Uh, although it is spelled P V L S X. And that uh, is a good song, man. Anyway, uh, you know, uh, Beyond Synth is brought to you by Zencaster. Uh, Zencaster is the easiest way to record your podcast in studio quality. So Zencaster is uh, basically a, a web-based recording app that you can use to record podcasts and podcast interviews and conversations with people. It's really easy to use. Uh, it's great quality. I use it personally to record uh, the interviews and conversations I have on this show. And if you want to use it, go to a uh, Zencaster.com and you can use the promo code Beyond Synth to receive 20% off. I suggest you even just check it out. Like they do have like a free version you can try out, but the paid version um, allows for uh, higher quality wave file recording and uh, and it's really super useful. I mean, I use it uh, and I think it's great. And it's uh, Zencaster, which is spelled Z E N C A S T R. And before I forget, you should also check out Retro Revolutions. You know the drill, Retro Revolutions is cool. Uh, it's a YouTube channel where a dude called Jared mods cool electronics and makes things. And of course, there's the uh, connection to the synth scene because he's making uh, some cool things for some uh, synthwave artists and people in the scene, which is cool. And I suggest you go check out his YouTube page because he's been a great sponsor to Beyond Synth. And uh, check him out on Twitter at RetroFaithGames on Twitter and also on Instagram at Retro underscore Revolutions. So please uh, check him out, give it a like, follow his Twitter and his Instagram and and, uh, and subscribe to the YouTube because he's got some really cool plans for uh, this season of Retro Revolutions and I'm looking forward to the stuff he's going to build. And on that note... Let's uh, listen to some more music. So here's a track by Index Code, and it's a cool one. This is Vengeance.
right, that was Vengeance by Index Code. And that, of course, was brought to you by my lovely Patreon Pattersons. There's Clint Dowling. These are the $25 donors, by the way. They're my favorite. Uh... There's a Clint Dowling. There's Joey and Kendra, Gregorio Franco, and Chris Dance. Now these are all very special people because uh, they donate lots of money, and you can also uh, donate to Beyond Synth too and help the show uh, come out on a regular basis. You can just go to um, Patreon.com/slash/BeyondSynth. Every little bit helps. I mean that. Uh, You can donate as little as a dollar a month, or, you know, I'm always looking for that angel investor. So that's someone that donates thousands of dollars a month. And uh, if you know angel investors, you tell them, Beyond Synth is a great place to be. Uh, Of course, it's also brought to you by my other uh, awesome Patreon Pattersons. There's Jacob Wick with the 2288, Frank Skinicki with the very plant-based 1987, and Chris Salaya Lane with the 1111. And speaking of uh, Gregorio Franco, there's a documentary you can watch. I think it's on Amazon Prime right now. Uh, It's called... Fuck, what the hell is it called? Connected? (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. I'll I'll check later. Anyways, um, it was a documentary that they filmed during the Echo Synthetic Fest in Atlanta last year, and it's cool. It features a bunch of artists that uh, are featured on this show, and Gregorio was one of them, and Vampire Stepdad was there, and Facehugger featuring Glitbiter, which of course is Florence, who we're going to talk to uh, shortly. So I suggest you check it out if you have Amazon Prime. I believe it's called Connected. Or just search Echo Synthetic, because I think maybe you can find it that way. In the meantime, we'll listen to a song, and then I will check the internet to see if I'm right. So uh, here's a cool track. This is by Mike OST. I wonder, does he actually go by Mike OST? Mike Original Soundtrack? Anyway, uh, this is a cool song. (laughs) Uh, This is called Feeling Sounds by Mike OST.
And that was Feeling Sounds by Mike OST. And that was brought to you by my lovely $10 Pattersons. There's Fraser Davidson with the 1001. He's the king of the $10 Pattersons. And then, of course, there's Ken Giroux. What? Oh, looks like Ken Giroux has upgraded his pledge. Thanks, Ken. I knew you weren't evil. I think he used to be a donation of the beast guy, but now he's a donation of the bigger number guy. Thanks, bud. And then there's Martin Larby, Hexenwork, Digital Dreams, Power Loader, Trevor Resnick, and Poly Digital. Uh, thanks, guys, for your support of Beyond Synth. That uh, address again is uh, patreon.com slash beyondsynth if you want to join them and hear your name read off by a foolish man. And I think I am correct. I believe it. the documentary is called Connected. So, there's that. So I suggest you go check that out. Did I tell you my apartment is flooding? Did I? <laughs> oh, it's so annoying. So the other day we get home and uh, the ice was melting and there's like this big chunk of ice like outside. And so as it started to melt, it basically pooled up right in front of like this hole in the concrete. And so water was just like pouring in and so uh we were like throwing blankets down there trying to absorb it and i was like mopping and squeezing into a bucket so that it didn't like actually pour like right into the apartment so that was fun and then i went outside and uh, and then shoved a bag in the hole <laughs> it's a weird thing to say out loud um but i did it for you i did it for you <laughs> i don't know what that means but uh the point is that I thought it was solved, and then the water went away. But then in the room where my kids sleep, uh, today uh, my wife just walks out, and she's like, does this smell like cat pee in there? I'm like, I don't know. And I walk in, I'm like, yep. I guess the previous owner of this apartment had cats, which may or may not have anything to do with it, but I think what happens is when the carpet gets all wet, and the carpet got wet, by the way, uh, it like brings back the memories of the cat pee. <laughs> I think, I don't know. I could be wrong. Maybe the carpet just doesn't like being wet. It's like some weird material. Anyways, so so the fucking carpet's wet. And uh, anyway, I have a dehumidifier running in there right now. And, and I was trying to clean it because I was like, oh, well, I don't like that smell, right? And so uh, I'm a very liberal user of bleach, meaning that whenever I have a problem or there's dirt someplace, like I'm, I usually pretty much just use like um, diluted bleach to clean it because nothing defeats the cleaning power of bleach. Right? I mean, bleach is the ultimate cleanser. Anyways, so I did that, but then I also sprayed another cleaner. And then I was talking to Judge Bitch on Facebook, and he's like, uh, you're not supposed to mix cleaners. And I was like, I didn't even think about it. And I'm like, oh, fuck, really? Now, luckily, I didn't use an ammonia-based cleaner, because I guess if you mix bleach and ammonia, that's like poison. I'm like, oh, fuck, I didn't do that. I was using OxyClean. OxyClean doesn't have ammonia in it, but it does have acid, like some, some, but not like acid, you know, but, you know, like acidic-based stuff. Anyway, you're not supposed to mix bleach with anything. So uh, now I'm all fucking paranoid that I've just concocted some sort of, like, death mist, and, <laughs> and all I want to do is just not have the room smell like cat pee. Anyways... Write me into the comments and let me know if I'm still alive. Uh, let's listen to some more music and then we'll talk to Florence. How about that? So here is a cool track by Wave Shaper. Um, this one just popped up when I was listening to my playlist the other day. And I was like, well, this song's fucking cool. And maybe I didn't notice it before, but it's a, it's a cool song. I dig it. So we're going to listen to it now. This is from the album Velocity. This is Sequence Code by Wave Shaper.
was Wave Shaper with the track Sequence Code off the album Velocity. And that was uh, brought to you by my lovely uh, $10 Patreon Pattersons. There's Elias Garnier, Murat, Playmaker Media, Mike Shima, Ashley Keegan, Greg Smith, and fucking Slunks. Let's, um, let's go talk to Florence. We're getting All right, and we are catching up with Florence Bullock. Hi, Florence. Hey, Andy. How's it going? It's okay. So, I should tell the audience, although I I warn them every time I also have Marco on the show, that uh, we have not planned this at all. Uh, you and I haven't spoken between the last time we recorded, and we just started recording right now, and I don't know what you're going to talk about, and I have nothing to say, so that uh, should make for a good uh, segment. Yeah, this is going to be fun because, yeah, you have no idea what's going to happen. Ooh, you got something good? Maybe. So, guess what movie I watched. Okay. Give- yeah, oh, you want to you guess? You actually want to guess? You just, you just told me to. <laughs> no, do it. Okay. You're fucking breaking the rules already? All right. <laughs> okay, let's. Uh, we're going to play a new game here called Guess What Movie Florence Watched. Okay, um, I guess just give me hints and then I'll try. We'll see if the audience gets it before me and they can fuck themselves. It, Let's go. It's an action movie. Okay. From the 90s. Action movie from the 90s. You've mentioned it on the show multiple times. Now, before we go any further, is it an action movie? <laughs> if I went to the movie store, would it have action on the side of the box or would it say more like thriller? Um, I think it would have action on the... I don't even know. Maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. I watched Did you watch Heat? Heat? <laughs> yes. We said that at the exact same time. I did watch Heat. <laughs> now, this was the first time you've ever seen Heat? This is the first time. Well, what'd you think of Heat? Um, it was... Uh-oh. It was okay. Whoa, 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 whoa. I know. <laughs> this I, this I segment's know. over. <laughs> I know. It's been a pleasure having you as part of the show. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) It's no, it's funny. Okay. Because like when I, the movie is, it's a really good movie. Like the acting's awesome. Like all the actors are awesome, obviously. And like the plot is really cool. They kind of like take it in a different direction than just like a straight up action movie. But like, I don't know. I feel like it's just a, I had kind of seen it before because, you know, I've seen a bunch of action movies from the nineties and it was just like, okay, whatever. But I can appreciate it though. Well, you see, Heat is one of those movies where you can feel the influence in newer movies. So Mm -hmm. put it this way. It's like, it's the same with Blade Runner. So you can watch Blade Runner now and go, oh, I know all these sci-fi tropes, you know, like rainy cities with future cars and like these neon lights and all this stuff. And you just take it for granted. Mm -hmm. And then you go like, oh, wait, that movie was actually pretty fucking revolutionary, like when it came out in terms of its visuals and and the world it was building and stuff like that and the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. And so with so many sci-fi movies now, you just take it for granted. Like you take a lot of these design choices and, and things for granted. And Heat... There weren't too many crime movies at that time that showed you fully the other side. Like, the fact that it spent so much time on, like, the quote-unquote bad guys and their personal lives. Mm -hmm. And then you mix that with uh, 
you know, with with the good guys, and and it showed that they were both fucked up. You know, like Al Pacino's character does not have a happy marriage. His shit's all falling apart on his end. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it seems like the bad guys have their shit together, but then you know, there's there's problems there too. And that uh, the the actual bank heist sequence has been literally like uh you've seen the dark knight oh yeah. yeah yeah so that's literally heat like they even play the same kind of music that plays during that heat scene so you know the opening dark knight sequence where they break into the bank uh-huh like that is all fucking heat like homage to the max like if you actually watch those scenes and even listen to the music mm-hmm. he's even homaging the music from heat where it's it's kind of got like these like sort of symbols and hi-hats where it's like you know like while like the shit's going on i mean this happens Uh to me all the time when i watch old movies that i should have watched when i was younger and then i'm like oh this seems so cliche that the fucking bad guy is the brother and then you realize you're watching the first movie where that ever happened yeah but it's been done that's exactly what happened because i love heat and for me it's all about uh a i love al pacino in that film i mean al pacino is hilarious yeah i know oh my god like, he's amazing he in that. Just, like, he's, he just he says stuff that's like just out of context and ridiculous, and like mm. anybody saying anything, like anything that he says in that movie, anyone else, like it, it would just sound awful. No, he's like in that film when he's just like maniacally chewing gum and just sort of like staring. <laughs> He'll just be like staring in a particular direction, just chewing gum. And then that speech about like, she's got a great ass. Like, I mean, that part was awesome. I was definitely going to bring that up. Um, (laughs) Because what did he say? Like, stuff comes out of me. Oh, yeah. It's like, when I I talk about an ass, a woman's ass, something comes out of me. Who fucking says that? Al Pacino. Because she got a great ass. And you got your head all the way up it. Jesus. When I think of asses, woman's ass, something comes out of me. There's so many, like, sort of quotable lines. And, of course, like, a lot of people, when they think about Heat and sort of, like, the classic scenes, it's, like, it's the actual bank heist itself. So that's, like, one of the coolest ones, like, in a movie. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just a straight, like, just, I like like the way it's played. The sequence where he and uh, Robert De Niro meet in the cafe. Mm-hmm. Again, it's one of those big deal scenes that maybe doesn't seem like a big deal now, but it was, like... These two actors who've always played these like these badass characters in in sort of crime movies and they were in a movie together and they shared a scene together and it was a subdued sort of scene like it's not like super intense but it was like a big deal. I mean, I'm trying to compare it to something else, but I think like it is the thing that I would compare it to. Titans of classic crime cinema meeting on screen together. Like that's that's the scene. It's that scene, you know? Yeah. Whereas now it's hard because we we know where their careers went after this film. So it's like, you know, now Robert De Niro and Al Pacino just show up in these like terrible films all the time. And you got to put it in context. It's like if the Expendables was made in the 90s the expendables would have been amazing but it's made now when all the actors in it are kind of like jokes and so it doesn't have the same effect you know like the idea that like sylvester stallone and arnold schwarzenegger and like bruce willis like being in the same movie and like van damme Mm -hmm. would have been amazing if it was made in the 90s yeah when they were all at their like you know their heights of like you know making action movies before they all kind of went downhill 
And so Heat is one of those ones where it's just a cool movie. It's got a cool style. Michael Mann is cool director, and they were they were still awesome. It was still awesome to see Al Pacino and Robert De Niro in movies. Yeah. And then he, here they were together sharing this scene. It was a it was a big deal. That's funny that you mentioned that because there's I feel like there's so many movies that they make today that are just like a conglomeration of just really like kind of old old famous people not yes. old but like no they're old ex- yeah exactly <laughs> um elderly famous people yeah clearly they're doing it for money that is so uninteresting to me like i don't want to g- and like the jokes are always terrible oh yes the, yeah, yeah it's yeah. like it's oh god well here listen here we're gonna listen to a track we'll talk a bit more about this all right okay so here is uh, Misfit Chris. Uh, I played a, a dub mood track featuring him a few weeks ago, but now this is uh, Total Misfit Chris uh, with the song Lover's High.
And that was Lover's High by Misfit Chris. Kind of seems like that would be a good end credits music uh, in a video game. And that, of course, was brought to you by my lovely $5 Pattersons. There's Starlight Fisher, Barons of Santa Carla, Raul Pud, Tristan Waits, Dana Jean Phoenix, Stu M, Night Raptor, The Rosconian, Simon Norberg, and Matthew Lister. And uh, and I'm back here with Florence, who just watched Heat, who thought it was okay. The thing is, you know, when I first saw Heat, too, like, there's lots of things going on for me, personally, why I really liked it. But that was also the first time I ever heard that track by Moby, the one that plays at the end. Spoiler alert, when, oh. uh, you know, they have their little shootout. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I've always loved that song. I thought it was a cool song, and I thought it's, like, a cool moment. Mm-hmm. And I like the end of the movie. And I like Michael Mann's style. Like, I just like those big open rooms, you know, with, um, like, uh, Robert De Niro's apartment, where it's just that big glass window. Oh, yeah. And, uh, like, a chair, <laughs> you know, like a little kitchen <laughs> island thing. And for me, there's just a lot of funny dialogue. There's a lot of uh, great performances. I mean, I like the action in it. Like, it's not... That's why I would say I don't know if I would consider it an action movie necessarily. I mean, there is that big action mm-hmm. scene. There's the bank yeah. robbery scene. And Wayne Grow was a big piece of shit that fucked everything up for everybody. Yeah. But we wouldn't have it we wouldn't have the movie without him, so whatever. Yeah. And then that dude, um, there's that actor that appears in so many movies, he's called like William Fickner. Oh what? And he well, that's his name. Like Fickner, like it's German. It's I think it's like F I C H T N. Anyway, he's he's the dude who plays like the shady like bank dude who has like Henry Rollins as a bodyguard. Oh my gosh! Yes, you know that guy. Yes, and okay. he's, he's in so much shit. You know, he's in Armageddon. He's in the Dark Knight. He plays the fucking bank manager in the Dark Knight during that robbery scene, right? So, mm-hmm. and that, that I love his death scene too, where it's just like Wayne Grow, where is he, and how the hell should I know? And just gets blown away, like. <laughs> There's yep. so many uh, just wicked scenes. There's so much gold in that movie. And I like the end shootout scene where they're running around yeah. chasing each other. And, that was cool. Uh, what else do I like? And, uh, and and Val Kilmer's cool in it. Actually, that's the weird thing about that film. Because a friend of mine pointed out a thing to me and I can't unsee it. Oh. But Val, Val Kilmer has a weird elbow. Oh, wait. Okay. You've you've talked about this on the show before. I remember this. Yeah. So you, I remember you, this you see it, you see it very distinctly in the scene where he's like staying over at Robert De Niro's house when uh, oh. when his wife kicks him out. It was an injury he got on Willow. And so his elbow fills up with fluid or whatever. And so oh there's this there's this, this there's one scene where he just clearly like it is. I think it's something that needs to be drained. It's like a medical thing. It's like there's sometimes people have like their knees need to be drained and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so he's got this thing, and and just in that scene, he just has it this thing. Does this? It's like it's like a water balloon, like filled up partly, just like hanging off his elbow. It's and and once you see it, it's like you never unsee it, and you're just like, wow, like why didn't they film this scene slightly differently? But anyway, I totally forgot about that. But I actually, I think when you mentioned this on the show like months ago. Mm-hmm. I totally looked up a picture of it because I was like, man, I want to I want to see that. That seems really weird. Yeah, so I don't know. I didn't notice it when I watched the movie, no, but There you go. You were paying attention to the story. Yeah, no, that's that's what I do. I I, I don't notice little things like that. Um but I did notice that um Edie, the girl who falls in love with uh Robert De Niro, judging Amy. What? Is is that what she's in? Yeah, wasn't she in that TV show Judging Amy? That's the same actress, isn't it? I don't know. I never saw that. (laughs) Off to the internet movie database. (laughs) 
<laughs> but she's she's describing where she lives and she's like oh yeah I li- you know I I live up on the hill in this like up in the hills of this like little house and it's not much but it's you know it's got a good view and like she's supposed to be like poor and everything and she lives she has this like ridiculous view and I'm like I swear to god that would be like three million dollar house she starred in a television series called judging amy from 1999 to 2005 where i believe she was a judge oh her name is amy brenneman okay what you're talking about is the same issue that the fucking friends had on the show friends (laughs) right where where they're like they live in new york yeah and they all have like kind of mediocre jobs and yet they have like this giant apartment like they both have these big apartments that like if they actually lived in New York and lived in those oh, apartments yeah. they would be spending like thousands in rent and I mean that happens all the time in every in all all movies even to judging Amy Also does Danny Trejo always like play himself in every movie Oh see that's another thing right <laughs> That is one of his early roles Yeah so like now we've been Danny Trejo'd out because he shows up everywhere and he's become kind of he's become like a comical figure, right? Because you know mm-hmm. he knows he has this like intimidating presence. But like that was one of the first things with Danny Trejo. Like before he had this weird resurgence, like starring in those like Robert Rodriguez films. Right. You know we would refer to him as the guy from Heat, like all oh, that you know like crazy looking dude from Heat, who likes like just like just such a hard dude. Like you know he, he, you know he's fucking been through some shit, mm-hmm. and uh, and that was his role in heat but now again it's like it's what happens with the passage of time so if you see it now you have this different perspective of Danny Trejo because you see him as fucking you know Machete and like all the other ridiculous fucking that movie where like he's in a lot of stuff yeah. <laughs> that dude and his head's on a turtle and Breaking Bad yeah that's true spoiler yeah um, <laughs> he also he owns a bunch of taco places now yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and it's it sucks. So a Trejo's Tacos just opened by my work, and I was like, oh, okay, I'll try it. And I ha- I spent eleven dollars for a burrito there, and that's eleven, 11 American dollars. That would have been like eleven fucking dollars. That's more like thirteen, fourteen Canadian. There you go. So I wouldn't spend that on a burrito. I know overpriced Mexican food from Danny Trejo. Was it good? It was pretty good. Okay, but I it's it wasn't eleven dollars good. Yeah, no, I'm hey, I'm I'm with you. Like I've got certain rules about what things should cost. Yeah, for me, I've I've said this a million times: burger, fries, and a pop should be no more than ten dollars. True. That should be like that's the fucking combo price, man. Like ten bucks mm-hmm. burger, fries, pop for a good burger. Mm-hmm. When you go to those cr- places like Five Guys and all those like gourmet burger places, it's like the burger itself is like twelve bucks, and then it's like they don't do combos. Uh, you know. Anyway, I've said this before, but a burrito, a burrito should be yeah, you know, fucking seven ninety nine for the big one. Like that's maybe maybe eight ninety nine. Like if you get like the big one, but then that thing should be fucking packed. Yeah. No. <laughs> Eleven dollars, man. I mean, it was it was a pretty packed burrito. It was good, but like, I'm not like eleven dollars. That's Come American. On. Like, I was talking Canadian dollars, by the way. Like, like to be fair, when I go to uh, we have some burrito chains up here, and when I I go to, uh, it's either like Fat Bastard Burrito or Burrito Brothers. Anyways, <laughs> Burrito Brothers. The the point That's is awesome. like the burrito. I I get the giant burrito. And okay, maybe it's nine ninety nine, but that's Canadian. Mm-hmm. So my ten dollars is your seven ninety nine. Okay, yeah, that that's that's a good price. 
That's a good price for a burrito. Yeah. Do you want to listen to another song? Yeah, sure. Great. Well, here's a here's a cool one. Uh, this uh, little number is by Pretty Glass Folk, and it's called Spirits.
And that was Pretty Glass Folk with the tune Spirits. And that, of course, was brought to you by my lovely $5 Pattersons. There's Damian Rudy's, Ross Pentland, Halla, Phil Clothier, Lee McConnell, Zychorax, Brad Neiman, Facehugger, Marco Crane and Donk, and Corey Valentine. And, uh, and we're back with uh, Florence, who, uh, who just watched Heat. The tricky thing is, when I talk about loving 80s movies, some of them are just so cheesy and terrible, and they were sort of aimed at kids. I think that's the difference, mm-hmm. that there's movies that were sort of aimed at a young audience, and when you watch them as an adult, it's doubly stupid if the movie itself has a bunch of flaws, because it's also not even aimed at an adult. Mm-hmm. So, like, I didn't see Goonies as a kid, or at least I didn't watch the whole movie as a kid. So I only watched, and I, I always bring this one up because people love Goonies, and I don't. Like, so when I saw Goonies, I was an adult, and to me, the movie was stupid. Like, mm-hmm. I think oh, yeah. I think Goonies is a stupid film. Yeah. That is not good at all. I, like, I can't get anybody who hasn't seen Star Wars into the original Star Wars, because... Yeah, it's tricky. Like, come on. <laughs> They're ridiculous. So yeah, no, I, I get that. I mean, but I will, I will say, Star Star Wars is better than fucking Goonies. I mean, like, oh, go, like Goonies I mean, is dumb. Obviously, Goonies is a fucking dumb movie. I don't care, but it's fine. Like, if you like it, like I like things that are dumb too, that I grew up with. <laughs> oh yeah. But that's the that's the difference. Like, Heat is 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 aimed at an adult uh, audience, and I'm just trying to think what um, if there's any other aspects of it that would sort of age weirdly that I wouldn't be conscious of because i saw it at the time because i like the over to the top performances like over the top performances i love they always make me happy because they're just so weird like uh, you know I, I like the movie the crow oh yeah uh, and the crow is just full of fucking wacky characters <laughs> who are horrible people but they're funny because like they just have these weird this weird dialogue and and it's interesting because when i was a kid i didn't notice all the workarounds because of Brandon Lee's death. Mm-hmm. And so I, we all knew he died and we knew that they m- made some editing concessions or whatever to make the movie work. And it was only when I watched it more recently that I really paid attention and I'm like, holy shit, like... And this is a horrible fucking thing to say, but I think the movie's better for it. It's not good that he's dead, but his, his acting isn't um, the best. And so some of the editing decisions they did to work around it was to just cut out the crow's dialogue. So then there's these whole scenes in the crow where it's like a stand-in and it's just the other actor doing their whole monologue, but the crow never says anything. Mm -hmm. And you know that probably in the original cut of the movie, the crow was having like witty dialogue back and forth with the, with the character. So then when you watch the movie now, it's like all these characters that he bumps into just for some reason go off on these crazy speeches and the crow never actually like (laughs) says anything to them. And I think it actually makes the scenes work better and it sort of quickens the pace because it's crazy. Like that movie, like he is not in a lot of that movie. Yeah. Some of my favorite scenes, he's not in it. Like my favorite scene when I was a kid was the scene where he puts the makeup on and it plays that song by The Cure. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh my gosh. This is like, oh man, I need to rewatch The Crow. I haven't seen that movie in ages actually a movie that i've seen but yeah like yeah i I really like it like it's cheesy but it's the cheesy i like and yeah the scene where he puts on his makeup at the at the beginning when he becomes the crow and is playing the song burn by the cure Mm -hmm. it's like so paint your face in shadow small anyway it's a great (laughs) song i love it 
And I love that scene. And then it was only when I watched it recently that I was like, shit, he's not even in that scene. <laughs> like, like that's all body double guy because you never quite see his face. You never quite see what's going on. And then at the end, lightning strikes and you see him standing in the window and his face is really obviously just pasted on when you see the lightning strike. Mm-hmm. And it's done in that cheap sort of 90s way. So when you watch it on Blu-ray, it's really, really obvious that they just took a still image of his face and flashed it on the screen really fast. Oh, yeah. As a kid, I didn't notice it. But as an adult, I was like, oh, wow, like this is wow. And then there's so many other scenes where, you know, when I started to pay attention, I'm like, wow, he's not in this scene. He's not in this scene. He's not in this scene. Uh, He's not in this fucking scene. Like, like, there's so many, but whatever. I like it. (laughs) Nice. That's my review of The Crow. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad, uh, Glad we're talking about the crow, mm. but yeah, no, I'm glad that you you did have a lot to say about heat because, uh, yeah, no, like you're you're totally right. Like that's exactly why I had I felt like I saw the movie before because it it was the thing that started everything. There's going to be so many things like that. Like, cause yeah, I'm trying to think now of the crime movies that happened before Heat. How many of them mm-hmm. took the time to give equal screen time to the bad guys and to the good guy? And to have the good guy be so damaged. I mean, like, obviously, there have been movies in the past with, like, crooked cops and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it was sort of different because he was a good guy. It's just that his life was fucked up. And, you know, nowadays you take that for granted. The antihero is a huge thing now, you know, with things like Breaking Bad and stuff like that. Like, people love watching mm-hmm. movies and TV shows about central characters who are, you know, Dexter and shit, you know, like where the main character is a fucking killer and all this stuff. But then, it, you know, it was pretty sophisticated. I think, yeah. I think it's a sophisticated, mature film. I agree with that. No, like, and, and that, it honestly, like, <laughs> that helps me appreciate it more. It really does. And, like, I, I did not enjoy it. No, I, I did, I did enjoy it. So, um, but yeah, no, that's, that's cool that it, it was kind of the one, the thing that kind of started that genre. Like, I mean, obviously, the, the, the big important movies are the ones that are going to uh, inspire the, the films to come. Yeah. You want to listen to another cool. song? <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay. Let's, let's do that. All right, this is Overvad with the track Hyper Ride.
And that was the song Hyper Ride by Overvad. And that, of course, was brought to you by my lovely $5 Pattersons. There's Ethan Hennings, City Bat, Christopher Albert, Daniel Dexius, Star Nomad, Michelle Vasquez, Tim Ross, Neon Knox, and Jared Glenn. And, uh, of course, we're back here with Florence. We can probably wrap this up for another show. Yeah, I have nothing else to say about heat. <laughs> does, does he get a thumbs up or a thumbs down from Florence? Um, I think, I mean, I, I guess I have to say thumbs up because I didn't, I didn't like not, enjoy, I didn't not like it. <laughs> I didn't hate the movie. I'm only going to give it a, give it, give a movie a thumbs down if I totally hated it. Okay. So yeah, we can give it a thumbs up. Okay. Sure. Well, I will also give it an ecstatic two thumbs up. I mean, I have to give it a thumbs up because you will probably kick me off the show if I don't. So. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to sound like some sort of authoritarian. I mean, like you are allowed <laughs> to have your view. I'm not going to uh, push you into some some opinion that you don't have. But I will say that Heat is great, and you are mistaken. And maybe you, maybe you brainwashed me into liking it. Yeah, we'll do that thing, uh, the Clockwork Orange style. We'll like pry your eyes yeah. open and just have you watch it a few more times. And uh... yeah, okay. <laughs> um. Well, listen. I hope you have a lovely uh, have a lovely day. It was nice talking to you. Nice talking to you too. And uh, yeah, that's. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, Andy. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that was uh, Florence Bullock. If you're wondering why my Patreon announcements are sort of out of order, that's it's just because I record her segment separately, and I'm like, oh, I'll do the five dollar Pattersons when I uh, talk to Florence, and then when I'm done, I realize like, wait, I didn't finish doing the ten dollar Pattersons yet. So let's also say catching up with Florence was brought to you by my ten dollar Pattersons, Joshua Evison. Will Lowe, Winfield, and Colin Bennett. Thank you very much for your support, guys. You can always go to patreon.com slash beyondsynth and join them or die. So let's see here. Let's listen to another track and then maybe we'll go chat with Marco. How do you feel about that? So here's a song by Ulyss. Uh, he did a little soundtrack for a game. I don't even know if the game's out. It's called Galactic Delivery. I believe you are a little spaceship who does galactic deliveries. And it's a really nice soundtrack. It's nice kind of mellow music. I don't often play music like this all the time on the show because this this is more kind of mellow cinematic music. But uh, I really like the sound of this whole album. And uh, I just picked this one to play because it uh, sounded nice. This track is called Before the End by Euless.
And that was Before the End by Ulysses from the Galactic Delivery soundtrack. And uh, that has a nice mood to it. I like that. And that, of course, was brought to you by my $5 Pattersons. There's Matthew Lister, Dougie Fresh, Bobby B, Cunning Corvid, Roman, Joe, and Lando, and Kai. Thank you very much for your support. And and I also Polar Wildcat Studios with the donation of 617 Polar Wildcat Studios. I always forget to say Polar Wildcat Studios because 617 is a weird amount that falls between the $5 donors and the donation of the Beast guys. And so I do the $5 donors, then I do the donation of the Beast, and it's only then that I realize that, shit, I forgot to mention the guy in the middle. So that's Polar Wildcat Studios. Dig what they do. So let's... Actually, how about this? Let's listen to another song, and then we'll go to Marco. Did I say we were going to go to Marco now? Well, too bad, motherfuckers. You have to wait. I'm a great host. (laughs) Yeah, here's a cool song. This is... Not sure how to say this. Mac Fontaine. Is that how you say your name? It looks like Mac Fontaine, but the E has an accent aigu on the end. So that usually means A sound. So I'm going to say Mac Fontaine. Uh, Let me know if that's how you say it, buddy. This track is Malware by Mac Fontaine. Mac. Oh, dear. 
And that was Mac Fontenay with the track Malware. That was a cool one. Hopefully I am pronouncing your name correctly. Uh, let's do the donation of the beast real fast and then we'll go talk to Marco. This is the donation of the beast. All right, you know the drill. These are the people who donate 666 every month. And although these people may appear to be demons, their donation to Beyond Synth makes them angels. In my eyes, there's Street Cleaner, Orlando Rodriguez Neef, Moose Knox, Till Wild, Stray Light, Carm, Blake Peterson, Lucas Ceballos, and Renton Brax. Thank you for your support. And now let's go talk to Marco Merrick. Marco And we are keeping it 80s with Marco Merrick. How's it going, buddy? Hey, hey, Andy. Hey, everybody. I'm doing pretty good, mate. Good. Doing very good. I'm glad. You're looking good. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I watched some good movies last night, mate. One of them got a lot of attention, I know, when it came out, and I've been dying to see it, but I completely forgot. And uh, it's called, uh, you know, Split, right? Mm Mm-hmm. It was really good up until the end. It gets really far-fetched. I was like, come on, really? Like, they really pushed the whole, uh, if you believe it, it's reality bullshit, which to a certain extent is true, but you can't. You don't get superhuman strength and... Anyway, whatever. But, uh... It was actually quite good, well acted, and uh, it was an interesting movie. Yeah, you've seen that one? I haven't seen it yet. I've, uh, I think it's on Netflix though, because I see the picture of him. Yes, it says yes. Split, and he's sort of like staring at the camera. I like him; he's a cool actor, James McAvoy. I really liked him in uh, Wanted. Obviously, he got a lot of attention from that movie, but then I, I kind of feel like he's underachieved a little bit. But this one is very well acted. He's really, he's really plays a role very well. And then I also watched Ten Cloverfield Lane, which I really enjoyed that one. That was really good. Yeah, I still haven't seen that either. There's there's so much I haven't fucking seen, man. You should watch that one. That one's real good. I don't know if you know what happens, because I didn't, so it's kind of good. It keeps you guessing a lot. I know from what I gather, like, they're sort of locked in this bunker thing, so I don't know if, like, when they get out, if there's monsters outside. Uh, I actually don't know. I've never watched it. Well, then don't read anything on it and go watch it, then. It's a good idea. All right. No, no, seriously, it's really, it's really good. No, I'm sure it is. I've heard, I've heard good things. Like I'd watch that over Split, for, for example. Split just gets weird towards the end. This one's like pretty good all the way through. So yeah, I just, um, what? dude, every time I boot up Netflix, I just don't know what to watch. And I also have Amazon Prime. And sometimes, oh, I found this fucking weirdo television show. Yeah. Amazon Prime has just the the weirdest selection of stuff. Oh, it's God. got some Hollywood movie, like it's got some good stuff. And then it just has this weird bottom of the barrel shit where you're like, what is <laughs> this? But I found this show called Space Precinct 2040. I think I, I know that. Hang on, I'm going to Google it. Yeah, yeah, I know that. Yeah. I've never seen this in my life. It's like Jerry Anderson show. And it's the weirdest. I watched the first episode 
And I'm just like, what a weird fucking show. Because it's like, it looks like a kid's show. The camera they use, the way it's filmed, it looks like you're watching a kid's show. It's full of a lot of like people with like kind of puppet suits on. Because there's all these like weird wacky (laughs) aliens because it's like the future stuff. And it's full of model work. So like the city is a model. Whenever it shows the cars flying around, they're models. And they're kind of obviously models. Like they're good, (laughs) but they're, they're not super high budget models and then the lighting in the sets is really bright and so it it just looks like it looks like a kid's show but then it deals with like adult subject matter so it's like the weirdest show i've ever seen (laughs) like i was just watching this going like what the fuck is this i remember that show yeah it's so big right (laughs) yeah it's, it's got like weird like silly comedy that's like just goofy and silly it's i don't know if it's like a british co-production with the states but like Mm. sometimes people just have faces where you know that they're not american Mm. you know like when you look at people sometimes and like you can just look at a dude and go like he's french Mm -hmm. but there's nothing i mean i remember like in the 90s when i went to france there was lots of dudes with like the tin tin hair (laughs) but apart from that and but sometimes people just have like a look (laughs) but anyway it's, it's just a weird Tonally is such a strange show just because it looks like a kid show but isn't. In some ways, for a moment, it kind of reminded me of what I kind of wanted to do when I was making like Circuit and Breaker, the project that's been on hold for like 10 years. But like, because mm-hmm. I liked what, that they did, had model work for the city. Yeah. When you see the shots of the cars flying through the city, like it's models, but it's kind of models in like, well, Jerry Anderson, I mean, he's the guy who did um, Thunderbirds and shit, right? That's him, isn't it? Uh, it is, yes. I was just looking it up. Yep, yep, yeah, sure yeah. So so it's like the model work is kind of Thunderbird style, but then there's real actors in the sets. And there's even scenes where like you'll see an actor get into like a prop car, but then the second the car starts flying, it's a model, and you can tell it's a model. And like, But there's something kind of charming about it in a way. I don't know. Weird show. Space Precinct 2040. I'm going to go back and have a look. I totally forgot about that one. It's been a while. Yeah, well, that was in the, what? the mid to early 90s when the Star Trek had a big resurgence. You know, like everybody was trying to get on that bandwagon. And it only went for a season. Like I watched one episode and then I went online and I was just like, what is up with this weirdo show? And then I guess they said it was either, it might have been a co-production, but American stations didn't know what to do with it. Yeah, British American television series, whatever the fuck that means. And and apparently like the American stations didn't know what to do because (laughs) like I just said, like it looks like a kid's show, but it's not a kid's show. So like it's just, American audiences are funny because there's always, there's always a lot of shows Mm. sometimes that were cool and then they only last a few episodes and the reasoning is always just like all these executives who are always um, doubting the ability of American audiences to grapple with the show. Mm. Like there's lots of stories like that of TV shows where it's like they would get cancelled because they didn't allow people enough time to like get the feel for the show. Yeah. Yeah, well, they put it on a really shitty slot. They put it on with like when Cheers is on or something on the other channel, you know, like, I don't know, a show that was real popular at the time. So let's say Friends or Seinfeld. It's like you're just putting it there. It's like, what do you fucking expect? You know, of course it's not going to get good fucking numbers. Yeah, and there's also like death times. Like basically like if your show yeah. is on like a Friday night, that usually means like it's getting canceled soon and the Saturday as well. <laughs> uh, Saturday yeah. night is not like a great time for TV and <laughs> I don't know if that stuff applies anymore now that we're in like the Netflix age. I mean, I don't think it really matters what time slots are but mm. but then again you watch like I watched like the pilot episode of ALF the other day and I was just like Jesus like <laughs> like how did this fucking show get made like it's just such a like, I'm scared to watch that again because I know it's gonna be so bad and oh no funny. it's the worst like, like I it, don't wanna ruin I don't wanna ruin my memory of it cause I liked it as a kid no it's it's god awful like it's a, a terrible terrible show um, but you know what's cool 
is um, me playing a song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love your segues. I know. Uh, all right, I'll play something for you. All right, Electric Dragon has a new album out. I've been uh, well, looking forward to this for a long, long time. Uh, this is very good. His best work yet. It's a full length and it's available at electricdragonuk.bandcamp.com. The album's called Communion. Um, the song I want to play off it is. It's hard to pick, man. It's it's a, it's a lot of good songs on this one. But I decided to go with Carrion. Cool. Well, this is fucking Carrion by Electric Dragon. I love that. This is fucking Carrion. <laughs> <laughs>
And that was Electric Dragon with the track carrying. And that was Marco's first pick of the week. We're all having a good time here. <laughs> That's the main thing. I'm trying to get caught up on games. So there was a sale on the PlayStation Store a few weeks ago, and I, I bought a whole bunch that I've been meaning to play for a while. So I finally played uh, Mother Russia Bleeds, yes. which is a cool game. I like it. It's a side-scrolling brawler, beat em up mm-hmm. with a 16-bit art style. Got a score by French Synthwave Act Fictions. Uh, it's, a, it's a cool score. He did a cool job. Is that how you pronounce it? Is it Fictions or Fictions? Or it fictions. Say? He says Fictions. That's that's oh, how he told fuck, me. Fuck, I had it wrong this whole time. Oh, my God. Well, I mean, that's what he says it. Like, who knows? But anyway, he sent me that album a long time ago, you know, and I'd never played the game, but I played a track from mm. it because the, the final level track and it's a really cool game it's um you know it plays like you'd expect a brawl or two but it's super violent mm-hmm. so um and it's really satisfying like the one thing i think i really appreciate and i hope that this company i'm assuming it's just like a small indie developer i i hope they do more brawlers because they really make the hits very impactful so it's like whenever you punch the screen kind of subtly vibrates wicked the impact when you're punching people it just feels like very visceral like just like and it's also super violent so like you also can like if a guy's on the ground and you like hold the attack button then you like lift your two hands in the air and like slam down and like make their head explode and then the whole game you're you're injecting this like chemical into your neck to give, you give yourself health but then once you start to die you need more of it and so you have to like you have a syringe when you defeat enemies and they're on the ground twitching you have to like stick your syringe into them and like pull green stuff out into your syringe to like inject in your own neck and stuff mm-hmm. i'd like to see them tackle something a bit um more pleasant because it's the art style is really it's good but it's very sort of gritty and dirty it's like you're in like slummy kind of locations and you're fighting these gross looking like you know zombie people and you're like Mm -hmm. in you're in prisons and it's it's all kind of weird locations like that i need to play this and like weird snm sex club and all this other stuff and okay maybe not then um no it's good it's good it's 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 hilarious too because it is it's super adult like even though it's 16 bit like there's a lot of uh adult sort of content in there but Mm -hmm. i think uh it's really good like i really like the way it played and i like the impact of the hits and stuff i mean oftentimes with these sorts of games they'll end up doing like just a direct sequel but it would be cool if they just took their game engine and just did like like cyberpunk but the same brawler but just you know different different art style and music style and stuff but um, i really liked it so mm-hmm. mother russia bleeds i think we we're talking about this the other week uh, just just about how those games just stopped being made and and how much we really enjoyed them at the time the side-scrolling beat-em-ups or i think that's what they called but yeah well this one yeah this one gets my vote i mean i also liked double dragon neon but i think this one's better all right you didn't like that kavinsky game <laughs> I never played it. Wasn't that just like a like a throwaway like iPhone game? Like it wasn't meant to be a good game, was it? No. Well, I don't know. What, what would you even make it if it's shit? Well, album promotion. I guess it was pretty bad. I downloaded it and played it for about ten seconds. I was like, fucking hell. Yeah, I think it's just promotion, right? Like you just give away some cheap little fucking game for free. Cause I don't it, know. Wouldn't you want if you want to promote? Wouldn't you want something half decent? Was, wasn't there also like a Kung Fury one as well? I don't know. Was there? Uh, I'm really not too sure. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I guess makes sense. But yeah. Well, was the other thing I got? I got I got that. So that was probably the one I liked the most. I played that with a buddy. We made it to the last level, mm-hmm. but then he had to leave, and the last level was so hard that I haven't even tried to do it with myself, and I can't play it with my son because it's a little too violent. You need me, but you have to be in the same location, or can you um, can play play in different locations? 
you play online together I mean that's a good question actually I don't know I should look into that but uh, but anyway it was good it's a good game cool what else I got this was one I, I was looking at getting for a while uh, ukulele which is made by a company called Playtonic which has a bunch of members who are, used to work for Rare oh. so essentially what they made is Banjo-Kazooie but without the Banjo-Kazooie license mm-hmm. because I really liked Banjo-Kazooie like it was a great uh, platforming game on the N64 mm. I mean, pretty much, like, the second best one to Mario 64. Like, for me, it was, like, Mario 64, and then it was Banjo-Kazooie, like... Yeah, Banjo was, yep, up there, yep. And it's essentially... It is exactly Banjo-Kazooie, except just without Banjo-Kazooie. So it's called Yooka-Laylee, because, like, the one character's Yooka and the other character's Laylee. <laughs> You're a green dinosaur with a little purple dinosaur bird thing, like, on your shoulders. So essentially, like, it's Kazooie, and, and you basically do the same kind of moves it has the same sounding music mm-hmm. they use the same instruments so it even just sounds exactly like Banjo-Kazooie the characters talk in the exact same way with those weird like sound bites you know where it's like the mm-hmm. like, <laughs> and it's um, it's okay I was always waiting for it to go on sale when it came out you know it was one of those like $50 games or whatever like not full price but you know and I was like okay if this thing ever goes on sale for under 20 that's when I'll pick it up and so it did so I was like okay that's when I picked it up and it's good I think it has the same problem that I had with Banjo-Kazooie 2 and what happens with a lot of like rare games same with like Donkey Kong 64 What's that? where they get a little too ambitious with the size of the maps oh, okay. with the backtracking and stuff so because Banjo-Kazooie was a nice the game was tight, you know? It was just like the levels were the right size. There was just enough collectibles to make it, you know, like it was fun, but it wasn't, you know, you could beat the game in 30 hours and get 100%, mm. and that was that. Then Banjo-Kazooie was like, they made the levels bigger, and then it got slightly unwieldy, and then the same with Donkey Kong 64, where it was like so much backtracking. Mm-hmm. The levels were so big, and they kind of looked sort of similar, so sometimes they were kind of maze-like, just because the maps were so big, you'd forget how to get to certain places. Mm. And ukulele, the maps are huge yeah. for this type of game. So I think the game is okay, but it's the maps are way too big. And then the irony is you collect these pages from this book, and if you get enough, you actually make the levels bigger. So it's like the levels are already, they're already huge, and then part of the game is you expand the levels, and then a whole bunch of different parts get added to the map, and then you have more stuff to collect and stuff. Mm-hmm. So far, my issue is, it's weird. It's like the problem with the game and what's cool about the game is that it's so similar to Banjo-Kazooie that on one hand it feels a little bit dated Mm -hmm. because it stays so closely to Banjo-Kazooie so it's like you know with games nowadays you would expect certain improvements like maybe like a better way of tracking the missions you've accomplished or some sort of map that tells you where to go next or you know just like how new games now like they sort of they have an inventory and keep a tally of like what you're doing and what mission you're in the middle of and stuff so this kind of feels like an old N64 game where it's like kind of maze-like and you sort of, there aren't a lot of pointers letting you know how to get to the next place and sort of where to go and since the maps are so huge you always forget like you go back to the map and go oh yeah I have to talk to the fucking trouser snake there's a guy, there's a snake called trouser I bet, yeah <laughs> And he gives you super moves. And oh, my God. So you got to talk to him in each map. And I so you know, there'll be parts in the game where I go and talk to him, and then I have to go back into that map and talk to him again, and I don't remember how to get to him because the map is so big mm-hmm. that I'm like, what, did I have to go here? Like, would I have to turn this corner and then go up this ramp? It, it, anyway, so I think it's okay. It's an okay game, but it's difficult 
also having Mario Odyssey at the same time because Mario Odyssey as a 3D platformer is so fucking polished mm. that when you play a game that doesn't have that same level of polish, it's slightly disappointing just by comparison. But well, nothing really compares to that that series, does it? Really? No, it's it, Mario Mario Odyssey is just so smooth. Anyway, listen, we I, I talked too long there. Play me some music. All right. Um, what about Night Fox? Do you know who Night Fox is, Andy? Um, do I know Night Fox? Yeah, you should. Have I played Night Fox before? Hold on. Probably pretty sure I played one of his songs on your show before, maybe. I don't know. It's hard to remember. It is hard to remember because we've been doing it for so long. Yeah, we have actually. It's coming up to a year, maybe, right? I've been on your show. I know Night Raptor, Night Runner, Night Vision, Night Wave, Night Run 87, and Night Fighter. This is why you have me on the show, see? This is the thing. (laughs) He just released a song called Stingray, which apparently, according to the description... It was actually made in 2014, but he never released it. It was kind of, uh, I don't think it was unfinished. So he's gone back and finished a lot of his older songs and he's going to release an album soon, hopefully. That's what it sounds like. But this one's really, really good. This this will give you a taste of uh, what Night Fox is like. A very unique track. And it is called Stingray. All right, man, let's listen to this. This is Night Fox with the track Stingray.
And that was Stingray by Night Fox. Marco's second pick of the week. And uh, yeah, that was cool. So, look, I I did play more games, but uh, what... Have you played anything? I feel like I talk too much there. This is your segment. <laughs> yeah. I know. That's all right. I, uh, okay, what have I played recently? I played a little bit of um, Ghost Recon, which I've been playing on and off for a while. Ghost Recon Wildlands, that is. I know too. Okay, so explain this to me. I think I was talking to mm-hmm. Joe Ozone about this one. So is this an open world game? Yeah, it is. It literally is. Uh, it's set in... No, it's not Venezuela. It's... Fuck, it's Colombia, I think. Uh, yeah, it's Colombia, of course. Fucking Colombians, man. Yeah, so you're taking out drug dealers and, and the cartel and all that. So it's really cool. And you've got like a little unit and it's basically free roaming. Yeah, it's a map. It's massive, man. Absolutely massive. You can go on all these different types of uh, countrysides. And uh, it's actually quite a good game. Very good cooperative. It's good on your own, too. Uh, but I was just doing a mission the other day, which was... Uh, I didn't know it was coming up at all. I had no idea. It's literally the Predator mission. It's called uh, The Jungle Comes Alive or something like that. Um, and uh, basically, it reenacts pretty much the whole scene from Predator, where you, the girl, you know, you have to meet the girl, and she says that the jungle moved, mm-hmm. uh, and then nobody believes her, and then you go investigate all these clues. There's a uh, chopper upside down. Then you find um, another unit that's uh, basically skinned alive, hanging upside down with vines. Just it's everything's just like the movie, and then and then you actually fight the predator, which I haven't beaten yet. But it was really cool. They even got the full music from Predator. Everything comes on. It's really good. So how's the? How does it play? Like, is it? Does it play well? The game? Like, yeah, yeah, it does. It's a third-person shooter. It, yeah, yeah, it plays really well. Some people have got problems. I don't know. I got a couple of people like, going, "Ah, oh, fuck, you play? I never play any uh, Ubisoft shit," you know. And I'm like, well, I don't know. It's like this is like the first Ubisoft game I think I've played, but it's it's really good. Yeah, fucking nerds, man. Like, Ubisoft is a fine company. My issue with Ubisoft is just um, they have a format, right, and. I don't know how much experimenting they do outside of it. Mm-hmm. For example, like with um, the Assassin's Creed games, yeah. Far Cry, you know, they've got their thing where, you know, you, you got your map and then the game starts out and then you have to find the fucking, uh, well, in Assassin's Creed, it was you had to climb up these tall towers and then jump out into a bale of hay and then that would widen what you could see on your map and then it would show you the missions in that radius. It would just follow that same format and then when they got Far Cry, they did the same thing with it. So it plays the same way where you have to go to the map, find these fucking regions, mm-hmm. open them up. Watchdogs, when they did Watchdogs, it played the same way. But like, I still think they're they're an okay company. Like, they haven't made anything mm-hmm. that I've like loved in a long time. But they make solid games. Like, I think the Rayman. Okay. They make uh, the uh, the platforming Rayman game. I think is good. I thought Watchdogs was fine. Just. In comparison to Grand Theft Auto, it, Grand Theft Auto dwarfs any open world game that takes place in a city. Like that's true, you can't beat it. Like it's just so good. Yeah. But it did it did some things that were kind of fun. Far Cry games, I actually do like a lot. Like Far Cry Three, I think is a great game. I think Far Cry 4 was good too, although I didn't like the map as much as I did in Far Cry 3, but I like uh, first-person shooters, and I like open-world games, and Mm -hmm. Far Cry is kind of like the only AAA open-world first-person shooter that, like, is my kind of game. Like, that's... Because, obviously, I think there is the Dead Island games as well, but they're zombie games. Yeah, but they're not Ubisoft. No, they're not, but I... No, but I'm just saying in terms of, like... I like open world and I like first person shooter and I wish there was more of those. Yeah. Far Cry is one of those franchises that I usually buy 
like when they come out because I always really do enjoy playing them. Mm-hmm. But Ubisoft does stupid things. Like their stories are usually pretty dumb. I think that they think that their stories are cool. When you say stories, you mean like with the dialogue? Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. Sure. Yeah. I, like I just get the impression Ubisoft, like they're they're in the boardroom and there's like some French dude talking about how cool, like, oh, this story's gonna be so edgy. <laughs> uh, you know, you have no idea. Oh, it's it, like the bad guy, and he's like, you know, I just. I, I get the I impression, the that, exit. but I feel yeah. like that's what they're saying. And then at the end of the day, I think the games play well, and that's why I like Far Cry. Mm. But whenever they try and do their like compelling villain who fucking has all these stupid speeches and all this stuff, I'm just like fucking just. I, I just play the game. Like I like the game, and I think Ubisoft is fine. I haven't played the Far Cry games, but I know that they're pretty much the highest highest rated Ubisoft games that I know of. Anyway, they always get good ratings, and people. Well, I haven't heard too much bad things about them. No, they're good, yet. man. And the next one seems fun. Like yeah. it, it's it seems like a, an interesting setting for a game. Well, I can't fault. I really can't fault Ghost Recon at all. I mean, the the, the dialogue's very good. Uh, the story's good. Um, everything. I mean, it's. Uh, I'm just trying to think. Was there any real glitches in it? Uh, not really. Uh, not that I can think of. So I mean, uh, it's it's really it's quite a good game. If you don't like that type of game, then that's a different story. But uh, it's yeah, it's very good stuff, man. What's the difference though? Because a lot of those the old Ghost Recon games, you know, they were tactical, and you had like a team, and you're like sort of directing them around. Like, do you play this game as yeah. actually just like a lone gunman kind of dude, or like? No, no. That's four of us. There's three teammates, uh, AI computers. You've got a drone, and I haven't played the other one so I don't can't even tell if it's the same or not you can give them um, commands on what to do or you can mark spots and you do synchronized shots which I do a lot of and uh, when you play multiplayer all the computer players are gone and then depending on how many people you play with so say if I was just going to play with you it'd just be me and you you know or you can have up to four in the same game so right okay okay I'll play it with uh, Jazzy and Miami Knights it's 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 a good game hey man I like the sound of that mm. I don't know what that <laughs> Well, I'll see if you didn't bloody do the show so often. You could be playing games more often, you know. I shouldn't be saying that on air, but yeah. I mean, I've been doing a bit. I feel bad, man. I want to be like a cool dad. And I always thought I would be, where I'm just like, oh, you know, whenever my son says play games, but honestly, I've become like, this is the fucking, what's that song? The cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon. Oh my God. It's I, It literally is that. Like, I'm literally working and my son is all day just like, hey, you want to play games with me? I'm like, I got to edit, man. Like, I got to work. And like, I'm like, oh no, <laughs> I'm literally becoming that fucking dad where I said I would play games all the time. And. The problem is, he always wants to play games I don't want to play. Like, I don't like Minecraft. Like, I don't want to play Minecraft. God, why do kids like that shit? And even some adults. It's like, what the fuck's wrong with you? See, I'm sorry, but it's just terrible. I don't actually fault the game. I think the game is fine. I just... It's boring, though. It's just not for me. It's not for me. Yeah, yeah, let's build shit and not have any goal. How awesome. And it's not even... The graphics aren't even good. It's like, why even... I don't get it. If I want to build something, I'll play fucking SimCity for a bit. Or I'll play, you know, any other strategy game. Civilization, anything. Like, other than that. I mean, I don't Sorry. When I first bought it, I remember I bought it. It wasn't even for my son. I was just like, what the fuck is Minecraft? And I have to say, when I when I first started playing it, I understood. I'm like, okay, I kind of get this. But I was playing survival mode. So that, that mode has a purpose. Like, you dig, and then you have to build tools, and you there's zombies that come out at night, and you got to make shelter and stuff. And I kind of understood it. My son mostly just plays in creative mode, and creative mode just puts me to bed. Maybe I would have liked it as a kid, you know, because you're just building stuff, and you can't really get hurt and stuff, but... It just puts me straight to sleep. Mm-hmm. So I, I did. I, I mean, I bought some other games. Like, so I bought some cool puzzle games. Uh, 
maybe I'll talk about next week. And so some of them are like interesting that I, that I played with my son. I'm like, okay, this is okay. But I might also just be losing my tolerance unless I'm having like a good time with a game where it's engaging me on a deeper level. Like they kind of put me to sleep. But it could also be because anytime I play games with my son means that if I'm not working, it means I already did all the work so that I'm tired. So I'm never really playing when I'm like fully energized and want to play games. It's always like when I'm half asleep anyways and like, all right, I'll play with you. And then I lay down on the couch, get the controller up. And then literally then I just kind of wake up. It's like when I fucking passed out in the shower, it's the same thing as my son just kind of shaking me like, just like, are you asleep? I'm like, no. (laughs) (laughs) And of course I'm clearly asleep. (laughs) Uh, anyways, man, listen. You wanna you wanna play me a final song here? Yep, yep, sure. Well, here's the song uh, from a new producer called Hemorrhoid. Have you heard of Hemorrhoid? Is this for real? Dead serious. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a, bit, a little bit of a piss take of uh, Scandroid. But anyway, Hemorrhoid. Oh, gotcha, um, and, gotcha. And the, and the song is called Making Plans for Nigel because Nigel's so fucking annoying. All right, man. Well, this is uh, <laughs> sounds like some weird synth drama. I don't know anything about. This is. Uh, Hemorrhoid with with the track Making Plans for Nigel. Making Plans for Nigel.
And that was Making Plans for Nigel, uh, which I believe is a cover of uh, of the track by XTC, who were uh, a former English rock band formed in Swindon in 1972 and active until 2006. Yeah, that's just right off the top of the dome there. So that is uh, Making Plans for Nigel, a cover by... Hemorrhoid. You sound really uncomfortable uh, pronouncing that stuff. <laughs> I'll send you the link if you don't believe me. Here no, you go, I, no, hey, I believe you. <laughs> I believe you. You're like, <laughs> I believe you. I just don't want to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I get it. I get. It. I get. It. It's a parody. I understand. Yeah, I know you're good buddies with. Uh the old Scandroid say. Yeah, man, Scandroid's my dad. <laughs> the The irony is that my dad actually, my real dad, does have the same hair as Scandroid. Yeah, right. Yeah. Can you imagine? So he's like a 70-year-old parrot. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry. Enough shit talking. Ah, uh, shit. I really should go, though, anyway. This has been fun, but I, I got a lot of... Sh- I still got a lot of stuff to photocopy and go. I got to go through everything, make sure everything in order. I got you, buddy. Well, listen, you have a lovely week, and it was uh, good talking to you. Yeah, take it easy, Andy. I'll catch up with you soon, buddy. See everyone. Bye. 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 All right, guys, and that was uh, Keeping It 80s with Marco, and I think that's the end of the show for today. So listen, uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, I got to go soak up some water now with some towels and uh, rub my irritated eyes because of the bleach mist I have created. And don't forget that you are listening to this show after I've recorded this conversation, and it's going to be days before you can comment. So if your comment is like, oh, shit, you just made some fucking deadly concoction, uh, let me inform you that it is too late. Uh, because it's already been done. But, on the plus side... Um... What's a thing that's on the plus side? There's some beautiful ladies out there. <laughs> you ever seen some? You know, you're just walking around and you just see, like, there's just, like, this beautiful lady. And you're like, wow, like, that's special. <laughs> it is. I don't know why it's a weird thing to say. I, don't know. I mean, it's a weird way to end the show. Uh, I'm sure there's some beautiful men out there, but... Um, I'm not like one of those like super masculine dudes. It's just that when I look at dudes, I don't, I, I never know what women are like. Like, cause sometimes I'll see, you know, like there's like famous dudes and there'll be women like, oh, you know, he's real handsome. And I'll look at them and be like, hey, he's kind of weird looking, isn't he? Like, I don't get it, but they're all into it. So I'm like, okay, maybe there's different reasons why we find certain people attractive. And I think the man one is a lot more superficial. I think it's probably a lot easier for a woman to guess what sort of woman a man would find attractive than vice versa. Let me know in the comments of this very important issue. And also, goodbye, because the show's over. (laughs) All right. Uh, Tune in next time. My guest will be... Who is my guest next week? I think it's Duet. Is it? Hold on. Yeah, next week is Duet. Uh, so look forward to that, because we had a fun chat, and I, I didn't even realize this, but the guy from Duet was also, uh, one of the members of Cassette Club. So there you go. Some factoids. Uh, goodbye, everybody, and tune in next time to Beyond Synth, the best synth music chat show there is. No exceptions. Thanks for
Thanks for listening to Beyond Synth. If you would like to support Beyond Synth, please visit patreon.com forward slash beyond synth. And don't forget to check out Beyond Synth on Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Instagram. If you want to submit your music for the show, please email it to beyondsynth at gmail.com. Have a lovely day.